Today we continue our series from 1 Corinthians, Christian Living, Christian Living in a Pagan Culture. Today in chapter 3, Paul is painting for us three pictures of the church. And these pictures helps to urge us on into spiritual maturity. I'd like to read 1 Corinthians 3 Verses 1 through 17, you can follow along in your Bible or up on the screen, the words up there. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able, for you're still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, and are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, Precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know... That you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Father, we pray this morning as we look into your precious word. You would take these words written over 2,000 years ago by your servant Paul. An inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would use them to prick our own conscience today. In Jesus' name, amen. Three pictures of the church. And Paul uses this to help us to be, or help the Corinthians and help us to go from our spiritual immaturity to growing stronger in the Lord, growing more mature in the Lord. The first picture that he draws of the church family is a family growing toward maturity, verses 1 through 4. Now, before in chapter 2, Paul divided people into two categories. He divided between the lost and the saved, those who were spiritual and those who were natural. Now it seems like in chapter 3, he's dividing the Christians into a couple groups here. The first group that he calls the spiritual man in verse 1. Now let me give you a little Greek lesson here. The word, as it says in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people. 
This is one word. Uh, it is the word pneumaticos. Pneumaticos. And that you hear the word pneuma or spirit, air, spirit people. Spiritually mature people is what Paul is wanting. And he couldn't write to them into that category because most of them were behaving in a different manner than spiritually mature people. Those that have allowed the Holy Spirit to guide them in their life, to help them to grow strong, to illuminate the scriptures so they can understand the basic teachings and put into practice. Spiritual people. The other group... Were, was the carnal man in verse 2. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. That word carnal is sarkinos. It has to do with the flesh. That's what the word means. Now, it means that these group of Christians were who were saved, they were the saints, according to ch- uh, chapter 1, but they were behaving like fleshly people, unsaved people. They were, their life, uh, they knew Christ as their Savior, but they had not grown very much, and they went around just acting like lost people. Paul is their spiritual father, and he's concerned for growth in the family. Now, he, he brings out in this passage two characteristics of carnal Christians, fleshly Christians. The first characteristic, they can't handle solid food. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. You couldn't handle it then, and you're still not to the point where I can feed you solid food. Remember the baby bottle days? <laughs> Remember those days when you had to give the kids a bottle and and make sure that you did all of the cleaning and and that? That was a chore. You're glad that they've got a little bit more. And then the next stage was baby food. When some of our kids were little, we didn't do the baby food thing. We had this little white contraption that was called a baby food grinder. And you could... And one of our children, the second born, we fed... uh, he, He... we wanted to get good nutrition so my wife would make liver and put that in the baby fruit grinder and grind it up. And we just knew we couldn't just feed him. So we put prunes in there too, you know, and <laughs> stirred it up, mashed it all together, stuck it in his mouth, and he swallowed it. Today, he's 40 years old, and he mixes his food together. I think we're to blame. <laughs> we did that. But, you know, we, we, we cut it up, baby food. Well, these... Christians couldn't take the solid teaching of the Word of God. It just went right over their heads, zip, zip. They could only understand the basic teachings of the gospel and salvation. The solid food was explaining the ramifications of the gospel, what Christ has done in us, done for us in justification and reconciliation and what God is going to do in our spiritual life. It just, they couldn't absorb it. They were eating the baby food. Not only they couldn't handle solid food, another characteristic of this group of people called carnal Christians, they act like a baby. In verse 3, it says, For you are still carnal. You're still acting like fleshly, unsaved people. For where there's envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men or lost men? 
And they also, Paul brings out, it's just kind of epitomized in how you're, uh, you are raising your favorite spiritual teacher. I'm a Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. Are, isn't that carnal in your behavior? I remember last week, if you remember uh, our teaching in chapter 2, we illustrated uh, the division between immature Christians and deep Christians by giving you the idea of a swimming pool. Remember that? There was shallow end Christians, you know, that's fine, they're, they're immature, but they're, they're still enjoying the time. But then the deep end Christians, at least the, the deep things of God. Well, I want to introduce another uh, part of the swimming pool. And you know where that is? That's over here. That's the baby pool. That's the baby pool. And you put the toddlers in there. You got to watch them though, because they're drowned their brother or sister in a heartbeat and, and, and throw things at the other and maybe even leave a mess in the baby pool. You know, those are the carnal Christians that love to swim in the baby pool. And they're, 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 they're throwing a fit and they're, they're acting their age, you know, you know, it sounds like kids on the playground. You know, you've heard uh, kids on the playground bragging to another kid uh, and say, my father makes more money than your father. <laughs> or my dad can beat up your dad. One kid says, that's no trouble. My mom can beat up my dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, these, these, these Christians there, they were carnal. They were my preacher's better than your preacher. My preacher's, no, I like Paul. I like Peter. I like Apollos. You know, how can an immature carnal Christian act like babies today? We can be fleshly too. We as Christians can get so into ourselves and we can be so focused on our own comfort and our own will. That's not my job. You know, I, I don't know why I should be doing this. Somebody else should be doing that. Well, the preacher didn't even shake my hand, and it's not even COVID now. <laughs> they didn't even recognize me for what I did, and I, and I worked hard on this, and they never clapped and applauded for me. It's too hot in here. It's too cold in here. It's too loud in here. Complaining over non-essential things. You know what Paul is saying to these carnal Christians in Corinth and he says to the carnal Christians in the churches today, folks, grow up. It's not about you. It's not about your temper tantrum. It's not about your comfort. It's about honoring the Lord and glorifying him. It's not on the exaltation of what we do. Well, Paul is saying to them, grow up. And we need more spirit people, not more fleshly people. The second picture that Paul paints of the church to aid them on to spiritual maturity is a field producing fruit. Verses 5 through 9. Notice what it says in these verses of Scripture. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he who plants anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. When Paul said, who, is, who then is Paul? He was seeking to temper their overinflated view of their church heroes. And he likens 
the workers that, you know, they were boasting about, him and Apollos and Peter and, and everything, he, he likens them to farmers in the field in verse 5. Paul was gifted in certain areas. Apollos was gifted in certain other areas. And we're all just farmers. We're, we're all in this together. You have one job and he has another job. But don't exalt one over another because we're together. We're, we're on the same team. There's no competition here is what he's telling them. So there's, there's different farmers in the field and there's various jobs on the farm. The first group, you have the planters. Boy, I tell you, if you've ever been in the farm culture, Ben, when that ground, you know, that frost gets out of that ground and it gets dry enough and, boy, the weather's just right for the germination of that, they just get out there and they put that seed in the ground. That was Paul's ministry. He was a church planter. When he went into Corinth, he he found uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And they, they worked as a team. And then he went into the synagogue and preached the gospel. And got some of those saved. Went into the marketplace. Wherever he would, he would go and find people and introduce them to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about my Jesus. What he did for me and what he can do for you. And he was always telling people about the gospel. Well, Paul was the church planner. He spent 18 months in Corinth. Then he left. Apollos came along and saw all these new seedlings just growing up. Said, man... We got to water this. We got to give them the word, spiritual growth, help them to mature in the things of the Lord. And Apollos did his part, and some along, someone later come along. So you got the planters, and you got your waters that come along. Planting is important, watering is important. That is what the men did, but only God can bring the increase. He's the one that's responsible to bring in the harvest. We both have equal jobs. No one's more important is what Paul says. The reward is going to be in heaven and God's the one there. So we see there's different farmers, there's different jobs, but God is the sovereign landowner. He's responsible for the harvest. He brings in the increase. That's the present tense. He continues to give the increase. He is the foreman on the job. And Paul is saying, we work for God. We're all together. Why are you making one more important than the other? We're all in this together. In the history of our church, uh, we, we date back to 1981. A church planner by the name of James Henning come to Punta Gorda. Felt that God was directing him to start a church here. So what do you have to do? You have to get people. Before you even get a building, you got to get people. So we went uh, and visited and knocked on doors and talked to people about the Lord. And some snowbirds would come down and other people would make references. And he was doing a lot of evangelism, getting a lot of people saved. And then people come along. And then after Pastor Hennings came, Pastor uh, Cliff Owens came and watered all of that new fruit. And it continues on. But they were all part of the same project in God's field. God's field. So Paul is saying, grow up, folks. Nobody's more important than anyone else. And then he paints one more picture. A picture of a family growing, a field producing. The third picture of the church of verses 10 to 23 is a building constructed with quality. They needed, first of all, to build with the right foundation. Verse uh, 
9 through 11. The last word in verse 9, for we are God's building according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but each one take heed how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul was called the wise master builder. And that is one word, wise master builder, is architectnon. Architectnon. You, you can hear the word in there. It's a Greek word that means he was the architect. It means that Paul was given the responsibility of being the building designer and the construction supervisor. And God had sent him to Corinth and to other churches to be the one that had the vision to... to know what needs to be done, people to be saved and uh, leaders to be uh, ordained and growing in the things of God. Paul laid the foundation, but the foundation was Jesus Christ. He says there's no other foundation that anyone can lay except Jesus Christ. He was the rock on which the church was built. Ephesians 2.20 says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. And that foundation is laid by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and making the ministry all about him. Churches have been built and continually to be built on the wrong foundation. Some have built their whole church on the personality of the preacher. Paul, I tell you, what would happen if Pastor so-and-so would, gone, would be gone? Well, hey, God's got more men. You can't build a church on a preacher. You really can't because when the preacher's gone, what's going to happen? And, the, and death will take us all one day except for the rapture coming. And there's going to be somebody else after me and somebody else after Jim. You can't build a ministry on the personality of the preacher or a particular version of scripture or a favorite doctrine. Oh, we love to preach on the rapture every Sunday here or salvation every Sunday. We need to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Some churches build on a productive ministry that has been successful. In the past, uh, uh, different ministries have been very effective but no longer are as effective. So if you build your ministry on a bus ministry when people are not doing that anymore, then maybe in order to, to whip the horse and keep it going, you ought to change your focus. But the church's foundation is on Christ, preaching about him, loving him, and worshiping him. So when these things change, you've got the solid foundation of the church on the rock of Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul is concerned that building with the right foundation. But he's also concerned building with the right materials. Verse 12, he introduces something. If anyone builds on this foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ, with gold, silver, and precious stones, very expensive material to build things with. Have you uh, been to the lumber yard recently and looked at uh, two-by-fours? You would almost say that it was gold and silver and precious stones uh, because uh, the price of building materials have gone up. But the, 
gold and silver and precious stones. I, I've been reading through the, the Bible, you know, as we've challenged people to do. And I came through Exodus. And while I was in Exodus, God was given Noah, or not Noah, Moses. I, I know he's one of those guys. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> God was given Moses the directions for the tabernacle. And you know, there's so, so many of those articles were of gold and silver and precious stone. The priestly garments, uh, Aaron had this ephod and then had 12 different precious stones on there. So God was in, involved in giving them precious stones. And in the New Testament, the church is called God's temple. So the building materials, the precious things, what does it mean? I think, first of all, building on gold, silver, and precious stones, building with the right motives. Motives that are honoring to the Lord and not on yourself. That's important to, to do this for God's glory and not for your own self-aggrandizement. Another thing that we need to build with is with the right material. The three expensive materials also suggest that we are building with sound doctrine. The builder uses the right doctrine, the word of God to build into people's lives, not with entertainment and philosophy and, and um, good things and even false doctrine. We don't use that to build on the foundation of the church. So we need to also realize that God is going to judge our motives and our conduct in our service to him. What kind of building are you building today? Is it wood, hay, and straw? That's temporary. That's wrong motives. That's personal glory and widespread disunity. And the Corinthians were doing that. As they were arguing with each other and they were seeing who is the best and who, who that they wanted to follow. It was wood, hay, and straw. That was the kind of material that was not going to stand in the judgment of God. So the building would also be tested in verses 14 through 15. 1 Corinthians 13, 3, 14 to 15. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Every one of us who know the Lord as a Savior is involved in the construction business. We're building through our service for the Lord on the foundation of our salvation in Jesus Christ. One day, there's going to be an inspection. We finished this uh, remodel project in 2019, and after we do any of these things, I'm always fearful for the building inspector to come. Did we do everything right? Did we make sure that the... The, the roof was on and everything was done according to the code. One day, what we do for the Lord is going to be under the piercing eyes of Jesus Christ, that holy building inspector, that will look at what we've done for the Lord. And what we have done with proper motives and honoring to him will be like the gold, silver, and precious stones but there's going to be some of our actions that we've done for our own glory with the wrong motives that are going to be burnt up. The fire here is used to symbolize the testing of our works. 
Whatever is done for God's glory will be rewarded. Whatever is done for self will be purged away. This coming Wednesday in our Wednesday online Bible study, we're going to look deeper into the judgment seat of Christ in the next two weeks. So be sure to get the outline for that or tune in for that to see a little bit more in depth about this this aspect that's coming. You know, we can illustrate the loss of our rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. Remember last Sunday was Tornado Sunday. (laughs) Remember that? It really, it really put a scare in a lot of people. We saw several tornadoes coming through our area, and one came and hit Placida and hit the Gasparilla Mobile Home Estates. And I read where 21 of the 187 mobile homes were destroyed. If you watch the information that was put on the news, you notice that there were people's roofs in trees, there were lanai's on somebody else's house, there was some that were completely upset because that twister came and that those uh, mobile homes did not stand under the power and destructive force of that tornado. And their homes were devastated and I saw the news interviewing people about what happened and they looked sad but about every one of them, every one of them said, at least we're alive. Buildings can be replaced, but people can't be. You know, I, I think of that. I think of the judgment seat of Christ is going to be like that purging fire that examines our life, examines what we have done, not our salvation, but examines what we have done. And the question is, will we have anything left standing? That we have done for God's glory and for his honor, not for our own. Or we have, will we have little standing under that judgment? Paul has painted for us three pictures of the church. A family that should be growing in maturity. Get out of the baby pool, he's saying. A field producing fruit. It doesn't matter who plants, waters. It's not about the guy who planted or watered or, or anything like that. It's, it's about God. That gave the increase. And also a building constructed of quality materials. I'd like to conclude with a, three applications. The first application is, have you acted like a baby this week? Has it been a time when you threw a tant- temper tantrum? You didn't get your way? When you uh, were crying loudly, mine, mine, mine. <laughs> Time to grow up. Second application. When we are faithful, God gives the increase. We need to do our part. It might be planting. It might be watering. It might be pulling the weeds, detasseling, or taking the lunch out to the farmers in the field. (laughs) Show up for duty. And the third application is, Will our construction stand under the piercing gaze of the divine building inspector? It's time to build up. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I stand here with the Corinthians and with the rest of our people and ask you to help us to be spiritual. Help us to grow. Help us not to play in the baby pool anymore. Help us to be mature enough to get along, to love each other, 
not exalt any human leader, but exalt Jesus Christ and build on the foundation. And God, I pray that our motives would just want to honor you. Oh, God, if there's some area in our life, God, that we're messing up and we're not doing that, may your Holy Spirit right now bring about your conviction based upon your word. Correct us, Father. Forgive us, Father. Help us to be mature. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close.